Hello ladies and lads and welcome to Hollow Lake History. I'd like to apologize for being absent for a week. The landlords had a roofing company come in and redo the roof of both the main house and the detached apartment that I live in. And so for the past week there's been nothing but knocking and banging on the ceiling and figured that it wouldn't be a very opportune time to try to record some podcasts. But they finished up on Saturday, so without further ado, let's get into some of the notable events on today's date, November 4th. Starting off in 1922, British archaeologist Howard Carter and his workmen discover a step leading to the tomb of King Tutankhamun in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt. After World War I, Carter began an intensive search for King Tut's tomb, finally finding the steps to the burial room hidden in the debris near the entrance of the nearby tomb of King Ramses VI. A good showcase of how slowly things move in the field of archaeology when you're doing excavation, it wasn't until November 26th that Carter and fellow archaeologist Lord Carnivon entered the interior chambers of the tomb, finding them miraculously intact, so it took nearly 20 days, 24 to be exact, for them to finally get into the chamber from when they started to excavate. Thus began a monumental excavation process in which Carter carefully explored the four-room tomb over several years, uncovering an incredible collection of several thousand objects. The most splendid archaeological find was a stone sarcophagus containing three coffins nested within each other. Inside the final coffin, which was made out of solid gold, was the mummy of the boy king Tutankhamun, preserved for more than 3,000 years. Most of these treasures are now housed in the Cairo Museum in Egypt. Moving on to 1956, a spontaneous national uprising that began 12 days before in Hungary is viciously crushed by Soviet tanks and soldiers on today, November 4th. Thousands were killed and wounded, and nearly a quarter of a million Hungarians fled the country. The problems began in Hungary in October of 1956, when thousands of protesters took to the streets, demanding a more democratic political system and freedom from Soviet oppression. In response, the Communist Party officials appointed Imre Nagy, I'm probably butchering that, a former premier who had been dismissed from the party for his criticisms to, of Stalinist policies as the new premier. Neji tried to restore peace and asked the Soviets to withdraw their troops. Soviets did so, but Neji then tried to push the Hungarian revolt forward by abolishing one-party rule. And he also announced that Hungary was withdrawing from the Warsaw Pact, the Soviet bloc equivalent of NATO. Soviet tanks rolled into Budapest to crush, once and for all, the national uprising. Vicious street fighting broke out, but the Soviets' great power ensured victory. At 5.20 a.m., Hungarian Prime Minister Imre Nagy announced the invasion to the nation in a grim 35-second broadcast, declaring, quote, Our troops are fighting. The government is in place. End quote. Within hours, though, Neji sought asylum at the Yugoslav embassy in Budapest. He was captured shortly thereafter and executed two years later for treason. 
And finally, in 1995, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin is fatally shot after attending a peace rally held in Tel Aviv's King's Square in Israel. Rabin later died in surgery. The 73-year-old Prime Minister was walking to his car when he was shot in the arm and back by Yigal Amir, a 27-year-old Jewish law student who had connections to the far-right Jewish group Eyal. Israeli police arrested Amir at the scene of the shooting and he confessed to the assassination, explaining at his arraignment that he killed Rabin because the Prime Minister wanted to, quote, give our country to the Arabs, end quote. Born in Jerusalem, Rabin was a leader of the Arab-Israeli War of 1948 and served as Chief of Staff of Israel's Armed Forces during the Six-Day War of 1967. After serving as Israel's ambassador to the United States, Rabin entered the Labor Party and became Prime Minister in 1974. In 1977, Rabin resigned as Prime Minister over a scandal involving his holding of bank accounts in the United States, which was a violation of Israeli law. In 1992, Rabin would re-enter the Labour Party and lead them to an election victory and became Israel's Prime Minister once again. In 1993, he signed the historic Israeli-Palestinian Declaration of Principles with Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat and in 1994 concluded a formal peace agreement with the Palestinians. And that'll wrap up some of the notable events in today's date in history. I hope everyone enjoyed listening. If you did, please consider giving us a follow and share. That'll help us to grow the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. This is The Hollow Leg, signing off.